0: If you've got a Bible tonight, I'd love it if we could open up to John, chapter 4. We'll be continuing uh, out of where we were last week, talking about mission. And uh, the last few weeks we had our retreat, and we did three parts at that retreat. Truth was one, experience was another, and mission was the third part. And I want to continue out tonight, in and on that, in our series Countdown, where we have got a few months left for me to share the different things I feel God... Would would have us here, so we're going to go to John and and the concept I want to look at tonight is losing an appetite for self and gaining an appetite for God. You just call it losing or losing my appetite or gaining an appetite, whichever one tickles your fancy. And I think that the the first thing to note about hunger or appetite is the, the control that it has. Now when you actually get hungry or you gain an appetite for a certain food, there's such power and control that comes in hunger. You know, something which actually begins to consume your mind where all you start to think about is food and man I want to eat and I can't wait to eat and what am I going to eat? And not only does it like control your mind, but food also has the power to to dictate your actions and what it is you do. And I mean, there's many a times I've, I've been at home in, you know, my life growing up where I've seen an ad for food and actually been so moved by it that I want to eat it that I'll, you know, when I got a license that I, I just head out and I go, man, you know, I really feel like that. I'm so hungry. And then you just hop in your car, drive out and, and grab that, you know, get whatever it was, a Zinger burger or whatever's being advertised and... And because hunger is so powerful and it can be so controlling in our lives, there's something important for us to identify. And firstly, that is, is what the, the flesh, like what our flesh actually hungers for. And then what our spirit actually hungers for. And I believe in, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 4, there is a great um, story which just depicts these two things of hunger and appetite in Jesus' life and having a hunger for temporal, earthly things and having a hunger for godly, spiritual things. And if we do have an appetite for self, which we all do, every single one of us has an an absolute appetite that we want to satisfy every single day when it comes to ourselves, uh, for that to shift, we have to actually catch a glimpse of something which we deem will be more satisfying than what it is we're after at the moment. So I mean, for example, if you're at a restaurant and you order a dish that you're like, I just can't wait to eat this dish, the only way your appetite is going to shift from wanting that to something else is if you see the way to bring out something else, which you look at and go, wow, that would be better than what it is I'm getting. And that's kind of what I want to look at tonight, trying to lift our eyes off maybe what it is we're hungering for now, whether that be uh, money, whether that be relationship, whether that be image, whether that be cars, houses, whatever it might be, and try and shift it from this temporal world to a spiritual cause that God has called us to. And so we'll begin our reading, John chapter 4. We're going to start from verse 29. And uh, just to bring us up to speed, Jesus has been on a journey. He's journeying from Judea. He's actually journeying to Galilee, but he stops at Samaria. And he's wearied from his journeying so far, and he pulls up at a well at Samaria, and his disciples leave him to go and get food. And and when they leave, Jesus enters into conversation with a Gentile woman. And once he's been speaking with her for a while, she she departs and leaves him and goes back to her city and starts telling everyone about this guy she's just been speaking with Jesus. And then the city actually comes down. How many? It doesn't record, but, but a portion of the city actually come out to Jesus, and that's when his disciples return, and, and that's where we're picking up the story, John four twenty nine. it says, so this, this woman had left and gone to a city, and she said to the men that were in the city, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did, could this be the Christ? Then they went out from the city and came to him, in the meantime his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know, Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? But Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you not say, There are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. We're seeing Jesus is wearied from a journey. He sits down to well. He enters into conversation while his disciples are out getting food. They return. When they come back, Jesus, a multitude from the city has come down to Jesus and they come down to him and they urge him to eat food, to which he replies, "I I've lost my appetite for this type of food. The food that I desire now is to do the will of the Father." And you know, in this world we're in at the moment, there is so much desire from our flesh for self. And I mean, generally, our, our lives are motivated by this. I mean, even us that come to church and, oh, holy Christians, I mean, if we're to think about our lives and how does they work and how they function from moment to moment, generally you'll find it's according to us. So, and I'll explain what I mean. When we get up in the morning, generally we determine when it is we get up. Not God. So if I haven't had much sleep, maybe I'll get up here. Uh, we, we get ready and eat whatever we want to eat in the morning, which we enjoy. Uh, we leave and go to work at the time that we need to leave and go to work. Uh, we work in a job that, that we got. Some of you work in a job that you wanted. Others of you don't. You work in a job and, and you work according to what it is you want to do in that job. You, know, you put out as much as you want to put out. You hold back as much as you want to hold back. Uh, you come back in the afternoon, once again, you eat whatever foods you want to eat, you hang out generally with the, whoever you want to hang out, whoever you like, whoever you enjoy being with, and you go to sleep at night after doing whatever you want to do at, at night time and you wake up in the morning and the cycle continues to revolve. And so we're seeing in this that that's us, we're determining a lot of everything we're doing. We do everything according to what we want to do. And that's, that's the general world. I mean, we function according to our own terms. And the problem with this is, is, we're not meant to function according to our own terms. You know? Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, we're meant to seek first the kingdom. Like That should be our ultimate mindset. And so, let's switch it for a minute. When I get up in the morning then, I'm getting up not according to when I want to, but you know what? I'm going to get up earlier for what? For kingdom's sake. There are things that I need to pray about. There are things that I need to prepare my heart with before I get into the day. There is the word of God which I need in me to equip me for this day. When we go to work in the car, we drive to whatever work we do, and and we don't just go to work, but we pray about those that we work with. Now, people that we work with, that we hang out with. We pray about their salvation if they don't know God. If they do, we pray about how it is we can encourage them in their faith. And and it should shift from living about us to living about a kingdom purpose, which means we'll probably do things we wouldn't usually do if we were left to ourselves. And so, in this story it says that Jesus is wearied from a journey. Now, if you're wearied from something, I can guarantee you there's hunger. You're wearied, you're tired, it shows God as man. He's in a place where he needs to rest because he's fully God but fully man. His disciples bring back food to him and offer it to him. But he declines this food. Why? Because there's a spiritual need which has arisen. There's a group of people that have come out from a city that have heard about him because of the woman and they've come down because of what she's told them to hear from him. And his disciples come and say, here, here, we'll eat some food, eat some food. And they encourage him in temporal things. And this is big just to look at in itself. Do you know, this isn't bad. The disciples are actually well-meaning when they come and say, Jesus, come on, you know, eat some food, you need some food. And, and in our society and world today, in the church even, abroad, you'll find that, we so much more encourage one another in temporal things than we do in sacrificing for spiritual causes that are right at our doorstep that we can answer. And so even though people are well-meaning, all the time we find that people around us encourage us, not in the things of God, but you know, oh, you know what, you're, you're tired, you should have a rest tonight. Why don't you just go, put your feet up, You know, watch a TV show, kick back. No, you know, you, you need to treat yourself to something. You're always about doing stuff for others. Look after yourself. You know, go buy yourself something. Go hang out with your friends. Do things you want to do. You know, earn more money. You, you deserve more money. You're a child of God. You know, you can get another car if you want another car. You just have what you like. You know, you, you, you deserve it. And we see people all the time, well-meaning, encourage us, even from the pulpit, to be about temporal things. Temporal things. And the problem with that is, is we don't struggle when it comes to looking after our temporal issues. Friends, we'll do it on our own. You don't need anyone encouraging you to look after yourself. You'll do it anyway. But when it comes to spiritual things, we absolutely need encouragement to sacrifice temporal things. We're seeing Jesus going, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice eating food right now. Why? Because there is a spiritual course which is right before us where we can have a big influence if we act now. And, and once again, this is before us every single day. We have people that don't know about Jesus we could choose to spend time with or we can hang out with our, our usual friends. We have time where we can sleep in in the morning because we don't need to get up, we don't start work till 9, so hey, that means I'm going to get up at you know, 20 to 9, walk through the shower, eat some food out to the door and drive to work. But yet we could be praying for people that we're about to go to work with, or university with, that don't know Christ, that have not heard the gospel, that are not open to the gospel. We have opportunity to do these things before. But it's going to mean sacrificing temporal things, like, I don't know, a little bit of sleep, I don't know, a little bit of money, because we can give of the money we earn, and we have so much money, we are so wealthy, into causes that, that don't need much money to accomplish big things. I mean, you can sponsor a missionary for a year to go out and preach the gospel. I mean, you can sponsor a child and feed them and have them discipled in the gospel. I mean, you can give your money into organizations which are about doing prison ministry, organizations which are about feeding the hungry and preaching the gospel. And it's going to involve sacrificing temporal things. And to do that, we're going to need people around us which don't just urge us on in temporal things. And I'd ask the question tonight, your friends, are they friends that just urge you in temporal things? Or are they friends that urge you to sacrifice temporal things to be about spiritual needs which are right before us now? Because we need people like that in our life. We don't need more people encouraging us to just be about filling up in the flesh, filling up in the flesh. We do it anyway. We do it anyway. We need people that challenge us to go, you know what? I know it's been a long journey and we're wearied. And I know we can eat food now, but can you see all these people that have come out from the city? All these people that have come out to us, which is just waiting to hear. There's a need right there we can do something about. Now, you know, it, it is concerning that we are always about temporal things and that we encourage each other in temporal things. It's very concerning that that goes on because the Bible says that, that temporal things have the ability to, to lead us to destruction. You know, Paul writes in a letter to the Philippian church, Philippians three eighteen and 19. He says, For there is many I tell you that I have spoken of with you often. Many people I've talked to you about often. And now I'm talking to you again about them, even crying. He says in this letter that he's weeping as he ministers. He says, because these people, they are enemies of the cross of Christ. There's only one time in the Bible it says that talks about enemies of the cross of Christ. Only one time. And Paul weeps as he talks about these people who are enemies of the cross of Christ. Why are they enemies? Why are they enemies of the cross? He says, because their God is their own belly. Their God is their own appetite. They live this life according to what it is they desire. He says, their glory is in their shame. Like they value themselves more than the living God. And he says... Their end is destruction. They set their mind on earthly things. And then in Philippians 3.20 he says, Have we forgotten that our citizenship is in heaven? Friends, changing and losing an appetite for self is so important. We need people around us which constantly bring us in check. People will perish because of an appetite for self. People that live this world according to just me, it says, they're in real trouble. They've become their own God. They don't want to sacrifice things for the sake of the kingdom. They just want to live in this little bubble of, I want to consume and I want to enjoy. They are enemies of the cross. Maybe we are tonight. Maybe our whole life revolves around us and what we do and what we enjoy. Everything we do in life just is determined by ourselves, not by the word of God, not by what God's asked of us, but just because we want to, we like it, we enjoy it. We deserve it. And if we're going to change this appetite or lose this appetite, then something needs to take place. We'll continue in this story. So Jesus says, my hunger's changed. I'm not concerned about myself right now. There's something else I'm concerned about. My food is to do the will of the Father, to finish His work. And this is what He says to His disciples in instruction to them. He says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Do you know why it is life revolves around us? It's because we are what we set our mind's attention on. We are what we look at more than anything else. Why do we do everything we want to do and determine our own way? Because we constantly are consumed in ourself. And if we want to change this appetite, remember I said at the start, if you want to lose an appetite, you need to see something that you deem will be more satisfying than what it is you're already choosing to partake in or looking for. You have to find something else. There must be something you see that you go, that's of greater value. And Jesus says to his disciples, you know why I'm not hungry? Because I've seen something of greater value. I can see all these people that are spiritually dead and starved of gospel. They do not know about me. They do not know that I came to bring them life. They do not know that I have come down to tear away this separation between God and man. They don't know my Heavenly Father. And His instruction to His disciples is lift up your eyes off the things you usually look at, your own belly, your own hunger, and look at the fields. They're right before us, and they're white for harvest. Now, what are fields? In this context, I believe they're people. They're people that have come from Samaria, a city in Samaria, and they are there before Jesus. And he says, "Could you just look at that instead of thinking about you're hungry? Could you just see them? Could you see the parents? Could you see children? Could you just look beyond yourself for a minute and realise that these people are spiritually in need?" They are not doing life with the Saviour. They are Gentiles. In fact, they don't even think they deserve a Saviour. They're looked down upon by the Jewish people as in they're Gentiles. We're separate. You're over here. We're God's people. You are not. And he says, well, just look at them for a minute. Just think about these people for a moment. Take your eyes off yourself and just look at these people that are before us. Fields of people. Where are fields? They're everywhere. This is a crazy thing. I mean, every single day we go about life, we see fields and we we basically work in different fields. Whether it's our, our families at home, whether we go to university, whether we work a job, whether we go to a gym, whether we play in a sports team, whatever neighborhood we live in, there are fields everywhere. They're everywhere. And the scary thing is we go through days and don't even realize they're there. There's all these spiritually dead and starved people. Never heard about Jesus, and they're everywhere. And we go through life and we don't even notice. We don't even notice. People that are perishing as you speak, we don't even notice. Now, maybe going back two and a half years ago, I read a passage out of Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through to 23. And it still is probably the greatest thing that has shaken my life when it comes to evangelism. It's still probably the greatest passage of scripture which has shaken me when it comes to discipling people and opening up my eyes. And it's, it's a parable about a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. And it says there's this rich man, he fares sumptuously, he's clothed well in you know, fine clothing. And there's this poor man, Lazarus, who sits at his gate desiring to be fed. And it says this guy, every single day, he sits at his gate, and he walks by him, and he doesn't even notice him. He doesn't even see him. And it says that this poor man dies, and he goes up to heaven, and this rich man dies, and he goes to Hades. This guy that overlooks a person that's before him every single day. And it rocked me because I thought, you know, how in the world do you overlook a starving person that is dying at your gate? Think about it, your house. Think about where you live. If you walked out every day and there was a person starving, dying at your front gate, just there, needing food, how in the world do you just keep walking past them every day and not doing anything? I remember thinking about it, I'm like, man, this guy's a loser. How do you overlook a starving person? And how quick the Spirit of God was to remind me that I do it every day. Every day. Every day, we walk past people and they're not starved from necessarily temporal food, but they're starved from the gospel. They don't know Jesus. They are perishing. They are about to finish their life at any time, any place. We walk past them every single day. Every single day. And we get so caught up in what it is we're doing, we just miss it. People that God places in our world. You know, going back probably about five or six months ago... Lee and I were preparing for dinner and I had to go out and get food for dinner. And so I shot down to the supermarket. You know, time was of the essence. I got in there, I'm like, okay, I need to get the stuff for dinner. Okay, I'm going to get the couscous, I'm going to get the vegetables we need. I'm not trying to sound healthy, we were actually eating couscous. Uh, getting the vegetables that we needed. So I'm getting all this stuff, I'm thinking, have I got this? Have I got that? I'm standing in the express checkout line, waiting to get served. Just thinking, okay, I've got everything. I've got to, Okay, I've got to go home, then we'll make dinner and then... You know, then we're going to have to get Hudson into bed and get everything ready. And and I'm standing there, and, and, and this reality, which is always there, just dawned upon me. Standing there waiting, and it's like I just, for a moment I just forgot about that, and I just started looking around. And there were so many people in the shopping center. So many people that were obviously needing to do what I was doing. And this reality, which is always true, just dawned upon me. I'm standing there, and I'm like... Every single one of these people, and I'm seeing more and more of them, Like every single one of them has a soul, and every single one of them is going to go somewhere. Every single one of them. And I got quite overwhelmed. I'm like seeing people, and I'm thinking, have you even heard the gospel? Does anyone here even know the gospel? Do they know Jesus? Do they not know Jesus? And I started getting really overwhelmed. And once again, this wasn't a new truth. It's real every day. Every day you go to university, there are people there that don't know Christ. Every day you go to work, there are people that don't know Christ. They don't know that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Every day, you go to the supermarkets, whatever we do, they're there. And we just forget. And we get so caught up in what it is we're doing, we forget. You know, when it comes to living our mission, we cannot afford to forget cannot afford just to go, oh, you know, I've got all this stuff I need to do, God, you know, I know there's other stuff which needs to get done and I'll get there, but just when I get all my food and I go home and cook dinner and then we've eaten everything, Hudson's in bed, then I'll think about doing something for someone else. But that's how it looks for most of us. When I finish what I need to do, then I'll think about, God, what you need me to do. Oh, how twisted and deceived we have been. So twisted and deceived that friends, I wonder sometimes if we are the rich man every single day. And we walk past spiritually starved people every single day and we don't even see them. We don't even see them. People with real faces and real names and real families that will die and when they die where in the heck will they be Not only that, but you know, I read this story, and it talks about that God specifically places people at our gate—people that are actually in our world, in our world, like they're in our unis. We work with them; they sit at our gate every single day. They don't know Christ, and they sit there every single day. I'm not even talking a distance. You know, when I was in the shopping centre, I'm like, "What do I do, God? Do I talk to everyone? Should I just get up and preach?" You know and all God said to me he said, "Well, faithfulness. Are you faithful with the people I've placed in your world?" Are you faithful with the people I've surrounded you with? People that I've placed at your gate? Because that's what I'm asking of you. Would you be faithful with the people I've placed in your world? And understand that these people are in everyone else's world as well. And you need to pray about whether or not you're to be faithful with all of them or where you're to be faithful. So definitely don't overlook people and just think they're someone else's. Ask the question. Are they at my gate? Are they someone you would have me do something for? And if we're going to change our appetite, we have got to lift our eyes off ourselves. It's got to shift. Something has to change. We have to look at Christ. You know, because it's in these disciples offering Christ something and looking to Christ that he actually redirects them. And I don't want to so quickly just go, look at needy people and let that motivate you. No, look at Jesus and let him direct you. Look at Jesus and see what he'd say to you. What he would ask of you. Where he would send you. Whether it's in Broome WA or whether or not it's being more faithful with your university class that you are in at the moment. When you finish your semester, will they know you? Will they know what you were most passionate about? Or not? Will they remember your name or will they remember Christ's name? If we want to lift our eyes, we have to look at Jesus. We have to look at Christ have to ask the question if we want to change our appetite we've got to look to him and we've got to remember why it is we're here no this passage says verse 38 he says i send you to reap i send you to reap and i think about that i'm like man do you know how easily i forget why i'm here i mean there's probably not a day that goes by where i don't forget the reason that i'm here in this world I mean, majority of people in this world think the sole purpose they are here is to consume and enjoy. That's really what they believe. I'm here to consume stuff before me and enjoy my life here in this world. Friends, that's not why we are here. If we are Christians and we sit under the banner of Christ that we are His and He is our Lord, our Savior, who saves us, then we're not here to consume and enjoy. We're here to reap. We're here to bring glory to God. And we're here to do that through taking the gospel to people. In Proverbs 28.12 it says, When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. Do you know, the more people that become righteous in Christ Jesus, that rejoice in God, the more He's glorified in this world. The more people that come to know Christ, the more God's glory covers this world. The more people that we harvest and reap with the sickle of the gospel the more people glorify God in this world. And I think about it, you know, this passage says before that, he says, you know, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying, it's true, one sows and another reaps, and I sent you to reap that for which you have not laboured. Have I forgotten the labour which took place so that I could reap? Friends, have we forgotten Jesus Christ? Have we forgotten what God had to sow so that there could be a reaping of people for eternal life? Have I forgotten that God had to take His only begotten Son, God the Son, and take Him out of heaven and send Him down to earth, humble Him and send Him down to earth to live amongst men, to leave Everything that heaven is, a perfect place, a good place, no pain, no suffering, no need, no persecution. And send him down to this earth where there is absolutely needs. There is absolutely persecution. There is lack. There is hatred. There is strife. There is envy. And send him down to this earth to walk amongst people like us Fickle and horrible that one moment say you are Lord and the next moment crucify you on a cross. Have we forgot what God had to sow so that people might have life? One sows, another reaps. Friends, it's not our sowing which leads people to have a relationship with God. No, it was God's sowing. And that was Jesus Christ. He was sowed so that we could reap. And here's the thing, you know, when it comes to actually harvest time, like not that any of us here probably have any clue when it comes to harvesting, you know, whether it's wheat or whether it's crops or fruit or vegetables, but harvest time's not the time to slacken off. I mean, harvest time, you have a set amount of time before fruit either rots and goes off or you get it in time and you save it in time so it can go off to wherever it is it's going. Now, when it comes to harvest and being here to reap harvest, it's not a thing we can be blasé about. Just whatever. You know, maybe I'll do a bit today, maybe not. No, if we don't, people will rot and perish. If we do not think about that, what did Jesus say when he called us? Mark 1.17, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. You will reap. Follow me so you reap. There are fish to be caught. There are sheep to be called. There is a harvest to be had. And there is a window for it to happen in. And if it doesn't happen in this window, and we don't think about it like that, then souls will rot eternally. Because we overlooked the part that God called us to to be faithful. We just overlooked it. Why? Because I'm so hungry man I just want some other really good friends that make me feel good about myself I'm so hungry to be in a relationship with somebody to fill that need because until I get that I just feel like a, you know, God's not enough when I have someone that puts their arm around me that says nice words to me and kisses me that is willing to provide for me then I'll feel like okay when I earn this much money then things will be all good because I'll be able to take care of myself and anyone else and then I'll start to give if I just get this car, or if I live in this neighborhood, I'll feel better about myself, and then I'll be able to do things for Jesus. I mean, this is, this is reality. These idols, 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 which sit on the throne of our heart, dethrone God every single day. Why? Because of our own temporal desires. Have we forgot that our citizenship's in heaven? Have we forgotten that this is not the be-all and end-all? That it is a temporal place with two very real appetites, a fleshly one and a spiritual one. One leads to death and destruction. One leads to life, eternal life, with Jesus forever. And friends, we were sent to reap. We were sent to reap. Sent to reap in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our workplaces, in other countries in the world. We were sent to reap. That's why we're here. That's why God sent us. That's why He created us. Reap what? Glory to His name through telling people the gospel. Understand, when it comes to harvest, the thing we harvest with is the gospel. People come to know God through the gospel. That is our sickle. I mean, that's our harvesting machine. The gospel. We take the gospel to people. People come to know God. And I just think about this appetite that we need to lose desperately some of us tonight need to think about this and really weigh this up in our hearts. Because we know about God. You know, we think about God. We know God's called us to do something, but we are just not motivated to do it. I mean, I know I need to, but I'll do it later. I know I should do it, but I just I don't have the desire. Don't sleep tonight until you pray to God to change that desire. Cry out to God like David did. Can you change my desires? Can you give me a new heart and a new spirit? Can you put the weight of the words of the gospel in my heart? So I don't just waste my life. It has to change. You know, I think about it. In a couple of months, Lee and I will be gone. And I think about this community of faith. I think about everyone here. And I wonder how it will look when we go. I wonder if the urgency will continue. I wonder if the mission will be greater than ever. I wonder if we will remember why it is God called us here. Behold, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have taught you. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's still be the commission that we look at every single day? Will we run hard? Will we think about these words? Or will this become a passive lax house of we want to look trendy and we want to use worldly ways to draw people to God and we're just glad that we know God and that's the most important thing and hopefully other people come to know him as well. I know when Scotty takes over this place, that is not what he will be saying. But how you think about this mission in your own eyes is very important, because whether or not it's what he says or it's what I say, it still lies in your hands every single day. Every single day, will I wake up and think about the mission and why I'm here? Will I pray to God to change my desires and lift my eyes off myself and onto heaven? And will I make every moment count that I can? knowing that there will be so many times where I will miss it because my flesh will just overpower, but will I fight against that? Will I persevere with God? Will I look to God every single day to provide for me and be everything I need? Will I read His Word and tremble at it, and look at it, knowing that this is my hope, that it will change me? Will I cry out for His Spirit to transform my heart? Or will, okay, sarah sarah, whatever will be, will be. Father, help us change our appetite. Let me bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we desperately need you to move in our lives daily. We can't afford to overlook your wonderful son and the labor which has been sowed for us. But Father, we are fickle and temporal people who live in a temporal world and so easily get caught up on things that don't matter. Father, we so easily forget why it is we're here. We so easily look at ourselves more than we look at those fields of people that you've placed around us. We so easily forget. And Father, I pray that you'd shake us every single day. We don't just hear your words, but the weight of them settles on our heart. where We get so uncomfortable with living a mediocre, lukewarm life. And Father, we are shaped to be spent for the gospel. To do everything we can to look to you to provide for us, to live every waking moment for the kingdom. And know that when we miss it, that you come to us and change us and put this hatred of evil in our hearts and this desire for you. That you help us persevere through this life till the end. You help us to look to things that matter and overlook things that don't. That you surround us with people that don't urge us to partake in temporal things, but stir us to sacrifice temporal things, so that we can be about meeting needs that are before us every single day. Father, that we look to Jesus every day. We look to his life that he lived, the perfect life. We look to the words that are written and given to us that we might be complete and equipped for the work that you've called us to. And that, Father, that we are like fire when we get around people. I thank you that we are not dormant coal. But, Father, you place us in spheres of people that are And that, Lord, we can set others alight for the cause. People that live passive, mediocre, lukewarm Christianity. That, Father, you might place us in those people's worlds. Father, to stir them. To burn bright. So that they might see the joy that comes in living the gospel. So that they might be encouraged in their walk of faith. To lose this life. That they might find true life. Father, transform our hearts and minds tonight. Please, by the power of your Spirit and your Word, change us. You know, with every head bowed and eye closed, I don't know if you know Jesus tonight. I don't know if you know the Gospel. But if you're here tonight, And something about the the things that are being said, not just emotions, not just like a guy was speaking and he kind of made me emotional, but some spiritual weight fell upon you tonight. Some weight, some reality set alight your heart tonight. That it dawned upon you that you were here for a purpose and that's not to just consume and enjoy. That's to live for the glory of God. That's to live for a cause which you were made to live for. And would you please talk with someone here that is about it? and living for it, and going about it. And would you ask them to pray with you? If you don't know what the gospel is, and the good news of Jesus Christ, would you ask them what it is? They'll tell you. They'll pray with you. And if you don't know anyone here tonight, would you please come and see me? See my wife. This is definitely a night that you don't want to overlook and walk past because for some reason God brought you here tonight. For some reason, this is what He'd have you here. And I believe it's the starting block of wondrous things for His purposes for your life. If you will respond to this knock and this call by His grace. So Father, we bless you and thank you for this night. But I thank you continue to grow momentum in our hearts for mission and the salvation of people that we be about it every day. And strengthen us to do it, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.